Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, we're continuing the conversation here because what? Well, I'll tell you why. You know, think about what we talked about previously and think about this thing that we don't allow ourselves to do and that is desire what does that mean when we don't allow ourselves to do it and you know i know you're probably thinking and listen to me and saying yeah i do i do allow myself to do it do we really um do we julia hollenberry is joining me here today do we really do we really allow pleasure in our lives i i want to just keep harping that question like that the healing power of pleasure and seven medicines for rediscovering the innate joy of being julia is joining me here today because you're going to hear about personal healing spiritual transformation and the journey and why do we share these stories i'll tell you something if you're listening to podcasts then they don't tell some stories about this are you able to relate see are you able to relate to the notion that people have gone through some stuff and they decide, I'm going to write this. Julia Paulette is writing this book and saying, I'm going to share this because not just being a therapist, but a mystic, a healer, a facilitator has helped countless people navigate the waters of doubt, navigate the waters of unidentifying oneself, navigate the waters of compromising and minimizing our desire and ability to love and be loved but what if we could let go of all of that what if we could do what we talked about is there is no past there is no there's here we are we have a clean slate right now how much do you think you compromise but let's talk about the healing power of pleasure for a moment because I've often wondered, why were we given this? And now we have a word for it, it's called pleasure. But why were we given the ability to experience this? And it is one of the things in life that we will cut off faster than you can shake a stick. Julia, it's great to have you. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, what do you think about that? Is that true? Is that a little self-projection? Uh, but, but it's true, you know, these two words, desire and pleasure, and, and we have so stunted their growth. You know, it is if these two things that we were given innately that as, as human beings, right, that we have this within ourselves. And yet, the day to day, here we go. We're going to be last on the list. Pleasure is not in the vocabulary. Maybe my schedule is. Delight's not in my car. I want to ask you, 
given what you're writing about, given what you've put in this great book, right? Can't wait to talk about the medicine of sensing. Given everything you have in here, I would love to know what challenges, what obstacles you had to overcome to get to this point, to get to be the teacher of this, something so important. I began with birth trauma and brain damage. The loss of a twin in the womb and not wanting to live. Mm. And lots of feeling alone and wrong and having no words to describe my own experience. And as I grew up, I, I guess I broke several times um, as a teenager, as a young adult, again and again, actually, until my healing journey gathered enough strength for me to really be here, brave and whole enough to be able to really be here, me. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I love the way you phrased that because that's given me a new insight. You know, people ask me, you know, how did I become the queen of positivity? Now I have a new word for it. I have broke several times in my life to really realize that there is another option, that there is another way. Um, but when we think about what we cut ourselves off from, I can't help to think about this journey that you write about of sensuality and rediscovering, you know, this feeling of delight, this just beautiful sense of ourselves. And yet we just keep cutting it off and cutting it off and cutting it off, don't we? We live in a culture that glamorizes being very busy and suffering suffering and being in pain and having a miserable time is somehow seen as ticket to belonging <clears throat> and I remember being very young and knowing without doubt that there was so much more pleasure than I saw the people around me really living yeah, I think in your book, you start out by saying, you know, here we are, we grew up and we thought that our pleasure and desire was dependent upon other people. Right. Right. And, you know, if I were to think about where we are today and sort of the, you know, addic addiction of that, I believe that we are so addicted to that thought right there, just beyond belief, the idea that we are not going to have in or experience pleasure. We're not going to have desire show up because Mary Joe is not going to give it to us, or I'm not going to get it from this job, or I'm dot, 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 dot. It's become a fight, right? It's become oh, an yeah. addiction. It's become a fight. And what we call pleasure is pretty short-lived. It's sugary. It's not really satisfying it's something we feel that we've got to grab we've got to get it from somebody else otherwise we won't have it and often we feel we've got to get it perhaps at someone else's expense but that ain't the truth that ain't the whole truth the truth is that pleasure is absolutely here for us for all of us any time and the whole time that we've been talking I've been thinking about my daughter when she was much younger and splashing about in a puddle and how much fun she had 
And I remember most people who walked past smiled. It lit something up in them. But one person frowned and stopped and had something to say to me. You know, you shouldn't and you oughtn't. And it's right here, really, for all of us. And it's a tremendous shame. It is a shame. Is it? I moved to the Pacific Northwest. Okay, you're going to love this because let's talk about, you, you talk about feeling unseen, but this, this story you just shared right there, okay, this happens every day in our lives. Now, when I moved to the Pacific Northwest, we're close to Hawaii. And I have friends, when I moved here, people, I was in a relationship with someone born in Hawaii. And so here we are, and I'm introduced to the Hawaiian culture. Now, I'm not saying this is true of everybody in Hawaii, so please don't email me. But the comfort with the body that I saw in the people in Hawaii was shocking to so many people that are not from Hawaii. When, when my friend said, let's go swimming in the waterfalls in the pond, and everybody's taking their clothes off. You can just hear a pin drop about how absolutely horrified half of the people were to do that. But nobody said anything. And slowly, within an hour's worth of time, it didn't become a thing anymore. Right. And, you know, this idea now of the comfort that we've established for feeling unseen we've almost settled on it but your book is really calling us forward to really see that as not a place we were meant to be we were not meant to be unseen i would have been given my own planet <laughs> right but boy, did we glom on to that, right? So you talk about three messes. And I was really struck by this as I'm thinking about my friends and the first time we experienced the waterfall. And then I remember the second time my friend said, let's go swimming and half the people didn't go. We have the individual mess, the collective mess and the global mess. Is pleasure messy? Yes gloriously messy <laughs> fundamentally messy dripping with mess saliva <laughs> tears you know writhing bodies sensuality colors fragrances textures your story reminds me of when we were younger and we visited an island in france and everybody there had no clothes on and they were just absolutely going about their business and it was delightful it was delicious it was glorious so there's nowhere to hide i mean yeah pleasure is messy but messy in a good way as in a natural way this is how humans are this is how nature is um it's not straight lines it's not neat and tidy but it's not chaos either it is alive and it's rich and it's sensual and it is our nature 
Yeah. One of the things I was going through the book and after I read it the first time and I came back the second time to get ready to talk with you today, my brain went to, wow, this book is about from messy to magic. Now that's my words. The book is not, I mean, that's the, that's the, that's my little soundbite for it, but we so desire for it to be that way. We so desire for us to have the freedom. You know, so people ask the question, they ask me all the time, you know, what do you, what do you think, Pat? You know, what do you think about the fight for freedom? And, you know, I'm struck by two things that goes on inside of me. Freedom is a choice. What I do thereafter and the actions I take about it are again, a choice. But when it comes to desire and pleasure, We've been given the ability to fully explore them. What's in the way? What is getting in our way? Ideas, stress, the to-do list. (laughs) Wanting things to be perfect. (laughs) Not enough time, not enough this, not enough that. Um, I mean, it takes courage, right? It takes courage to choose pleasure. Yeah. And actually, your words are accurate. The book, the book is about the journey from mess to magic, the journey into magicalness and pleasure and delight and happiness and bliss and joy and fun and playfulness are part of the magic that in the ordinary everyday world seems beyond reach, yeah. it seems impossible, it seems dangerous, it seems forbidden. Yeah. Yeah. I loved yesterday for a lot of reasons. Uh, One, I got to tell you, it's one of my favorite time of the year. It always has been since I was a little kid. You know, the whole Halloween thing since I was a little kid was always like a super time for me. But yesterday, it was the first time that people actually came out, right, in two years that people were actually coming out. Not a whole lot of people came out, but some of them did. And it was a fascinating journey because I'm living in a different place. So I'm not used to how long it takes to get from one of the rooms that I sit into the front door. <laughs> and normally people wait, but this year they didn't. I'm front door, right where I'm sitting. And I realized after about four or five times of this, why don't I just sit outside? Why don't I? Because I didn't want to miss it. You know, I had gotten the candy for the kids and they were all dressed up and they were cool and their parents were bringing them around all ages, right? And I realized, why don't I just do that? It's a moment that I give myself to experience something that I lit up about as a kid, right? And all the thoughts that come in that will tell you not to do something like that. Should I wear a mask? And then I thought, well, I could put on my mask. I had my feathered mask. But how often do we convince ourselves to let go of our sensitivity, to let go of our instinct, to really put it on the sidelines for something that we think is logical or something that would get us to the shoulds? I should do that. So here in London yesterday, there was a traffic jam of trick-or-treaters, parents and children all dressed up gloriously. So that was great fun. 
I think we edit ourselves. I think it's with the logic that we try and get to the logic. I think the instincts are to be trusted often the gut instincts, the intuition, the impulse, the impulse that we often don't find easy to follow. It's our mm, edited selves, our attempt to put ourselves all together and be civilized with our masks and our correct behavior. And um, you're fun to talk to. And um, I mean, the wildness is just rippling there, really, for everybody to have an official excuse. And yesterday was one of those sanctioned times that we could do that. Yeah, my biggest move of the evening was when it got really late and I just left the whole bag of candy out. I just left it out. I was like, OK, you know, if you come by, you could have the candy. I, I don't care if the if the squirrels want the candy, they can have the candy. If the mice want the candy, they can have the candy, because there was something about opening up. And your book talks talks about this, and I want to really go through this because the healing power of pleasure, the seven medicines. This is so brilliantly described to me. This is just brilliantly described, and and I want to take a minute to go through what this means. Because when you read, and when I go through the book, especially the second time, I'm asking myself this here, right? I'm going through and I'm saying, hmm, wonder if I'm doing that one. Hmm, wonder if I'm doing the medicine of deepening. Okay, I got to read that one again. Let me just get back to that one. And then I go through the medicine of relating. And I'm going through these for the second time and, and listening to what you're suggesting for us. And I thought to myself, boy, if we could just pick one of each of these, transformation isn't even the word. How were you transformed writing this? Because you can't write, a, I'm sorry, I've been doing this for like 18 years. You can't write a book like this. I mean, you know, the last time that I read anything like this, I shaved my head. So <laughs> you, had, you had, something had to happen to you on the, along the way to getting this book born. Okay, so I'll tell you the story. All right, I tell was, me. Well, I'll tell you some of the stories. I was a lost little girl, and I always knew without doubt that I would one day write a book. And it is amazing to me that through the ups and downs, and there's been a lot of downs in life, that this has happened, that I have written the book half a lifetime ago in my 20s, I began writing the first draft, knowing, knowing that when I was healed and evolved and transformed, the second part of the book would be written and that was like a raw emotional outpouring and there's one poem from that first draft that made it into the final book because my interest my passion what my heart knows and wants to share has always been the same throughout my life if I look 
you know, it, 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 it's always been this same topic. And then there was a moment, and I can't say what precipitated it, but I began to write. It was morning, it was evening, it was the middle of the night, it was on train stations, it was in bed, it was in the park, it was in the cafe. And it was really like life was co-creating this book with me. I'd be writing about something and stuff would be happening around me that exactly chimed in with it, that was supporting it. And so it was fantastic for me to give expression to what I've always known. And the way that this book has come into being has definitely been supported by the wings of grace. The way that it happened that I met the publisher, it's fantastic. Here I am in London talking to you in America. This book mm -hmm. is being internationally published. It's yeah. um, all happened in such a way that... Um, it's clear that it needs to reach the people it needs to reach. And you asked, how's it transformed me? I'm shy. I'm super shy. Yeah. I'm really shy. My first language is actually without words. Putting language to all of this and starting to be um, visible and audible with what has been inside of me for such a long time. And I... Um, I always stayed silent because it was better, I felt, to stay silent than to run the risk of being called pretentious or <sighs> arrogant. That would have been awful. So I stayed silent for a very long time. And, um, you know, over the years, I was lucky enough that a teacher here or somebody saw me and I had a couple of sentences of, of reflection back. And it is extraordinary to me. And I'm hugely grateful and it feels um, precise and on track to be yeah. where I am now. I love it. And I knew there was the story underneath there because when people hear how shy I am or how introverted I am, they don't believe it. They just, they're like, no. And I'm like, look at my Myers-Briggs scores to this day, just look. But when I got behind a mic, right? 18 years ago, something happened. You could call it channeled. Some people would say what, they, what you just described was a channeled experience. But I think it's more like you talk about in the book. I think it's more like evolution from enslaved to empower. It's one of the things you talk about in the book. And, you, you know, and you, then you also present us with these delicious ingredients. And I'm thinking, yes, delicious. Why not? Why not be part of that movement? Why not explore that movement? Why not make on your list if you absolutely have got to have the to-do list? Yes, I even do laundry. If you have to have it, why not have something there that is delicious, that is juicy, that is about the medicine that Julia talks about, about pleasure. Now, I would love to give a copy of the book away, Benny. Let's go ahead and give our first copy, 1-800-930-2819. And by the way, you want to talk about deliciousness, go to universeofdeliciousness.com. That's one place you could go. But what does that mean, everybody? We're going to take a short break. I just want you to see if you can lean into this a minute. If you could just like erase, erase, whatever. Like if you're listening to the podcast, just, just take a minute and just think. Better yet, no. 
What's your pleasure? What's your deliciousness, Modra? What is it that you can envisage for yourself? That moment, that moment that maybe not now. Okay, I know you're driving. That's all right. Don't be doing crazy now. But are you going to allow yourself to go from enslaved to empower? When we come back, I'm not going to help you with that, but Julia is, because that's what she is. She is an embodied spiritual teacher, healing alignment and transformation. She's lived it. She breathes it. And the book is just so beautifully done that even if you get through one of the medicines and do what's in here, you will move the meter. And that's what we're talking about today. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. Life can be demanding, but sometimes our wheels are spinning and we're too focused on making them turn to notice we're stuck in the mud. Tune into The Pause with me, Ellen Wyoming Deloy, every second and fourth Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio. Learn how to stop, reflect, and start moving forward with intention. And if you're really looking to jumpstart your personal development, schedule a free coaching consultation with me at ellenwyomingdeloy.com. Who taught you or your kids how to handle stress? That's right, no one. I'm combat veteran Deb Lewis, and I'm on a mission to change that. My new children's book, Why is Pono Not Pono Today, is set in Hawaii. Lovable characters, Pono the Bull and his friend Kuleana, show us how a stressful situation ends happily. Look closer to reveal powerful ways to handle all types of stress. Start loving your stress-filled life today. Go to mentallytoughwomen.com. Well, some of us are outwardly successful, but inwardly feel unhappy and living a life lacking in purpose and meaning. It just doesn't feel good. Well, The Necktie and the Jaguar by Carl Greer can help you discover what's important to you and how to go for it. For more information to purchase the book, go to transformationtalkradio.com or carlgreer.com. Join Jennifer Noel Taylor on the hit show, Quantum Touch Radio, supercharging your life on TransformationTalkRadio.com. You'll take a quantum journey as well as reveal powerful yet simple steps to create more abundance, better health, emotional and mental vibrancy and happier relationships using universal quantum touch principles. For more information, visit QuantumTouch.com. Did you know that each Enneagram type has a different worldview, different patterns of thinking, feeling, and behaving? They also have essential qualities that are unique to their type. Understanding this helps us develop more tolerance, respect, and appreciation for ourselves and others. Renee Siegel works with individuals, couples, families, and groups using the Enneagram to build better relationships as a tool in addiction recovery. Visit urepurepotential.com for more info. Can you truly say that you know and love yourself? Corny Cottrell is an author, speaker, and 21-year active duty master chief with the U.S. Navy, here to encourage you to take back your power and live your life with intention and purpose. Tune in to Unapologetically Favored every fourth Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio. Walk in your purpose. Visit unapologeticallyfavored.com to learn more about Courtney. 
Hey, everybody, welcome back. Hey, Julia, how do people find out about you? How do they get a copy of the book? And you're right. I mean, you know, our contact in working with this company, we've been working with Inner Traditions for a really long time. Manzanita is just amazing. And so, you know, how do people find out about this? How do they get a copy of the book? But more importantly, how do they find out about you? Right? Because who doesn't want to let the big you out? Who doesn't want to do that? How do they find out about you and how do they get a copy of the book? The book is available amazingly everywhere that books are sold. It's a paperback, an audiobook, a Kindle, an ebook. Yeah. It's available literally anywhere. My website is universeofdeliciousness.com and I'm out there posting on social media and um So, okay. So I, true confessions, because you did a true confession. I do a little one too. Um, early on, I didn't have any rules to doing what I'm doing today. And I still don't because I'm not a broadcast person. I dialed the wrong phone number 18 years ago. That's why we're even here. I started a network 12 years ago, almost the same way. But out of the gate, I started to talk about orgasms. And I got more like you're not supposed can you even say that 18 years ago and i just thought to myself well wait a minute i'm just reading dr northrop's book and i'm just like reading about the body and like why can't i read this book i don't understand the book is out there right so i understood early on that in order for me to be able to speak about the things i want to speak about i had to be an independent network i had to be not associated with other people that are going to censor me but we are all about censoring the sensing. Right. We have got to stop that or else we're not going to let the big you out. So you introduced earlier mo the movement from being enslaved to being empowered. Yeah, that's right. And the thing is that there is so, and you know, you've just told your lovely personal story about your <laughs> movement to being uncensored, your uncensored voice, right, as a broadcaster. Our delight contains so much of our personal power and our personal wisdom. And when we cut off ourselves from our sensual, subtle sensitivity, our spiritual wisdom, we are cutting ourselves off from the roots and we become these shrill, high-pitched voices full of anxiety, full of the past, full of the future, full of the to-do lists, and we don't drop down into the richness of the body where our power lies, where we know without doubt what's the right thing to do, even if it comes about through an accident, right? Yeah. You know, we know, and it's being able to listen to that inner knowing. That's what matters mm. for us as individuals, and I think... Um, for us collectively as a planet absolutely mm -hmm. we need access to a wisdom that is deeper and richer and wiser than all our clever ideas and when we're in touch with that sensuality we are in touch with something that's way bigger than us that comes through us through the body yeah i hope now i i want to comment on this i grew up couldn't read and write really a struggle for me on what you call learning different. But I read and write, and I learned how to do it. But I also learned the power of poetry, what we call poetry, right? 
I learned it from Bob Dylan. Number one, back in the day, I used to go have coffee with Dylan, right? But his words, you see, and I stuttered. So it was fascinating to me that a man could get out that many words in such a short period of time and have it be so powerful. And I'm reading your book and I'm just crying. My tear, my eyes are filling up on some of the poet, uh, poems in here. And one of them is love making love in the book, right? And now I, I've read the, them all and I'm hoping someday you're gonna pull these out and maybe have a separate little uh, book, guidebook, something separate. You come through so powerfully in this book. Now, I don't know how much the publisher cut out or how much they changed it. Incredibly I am so, little. I am so grateful that they didn't change who you are in your message. Because you see, you can't write a book like this from an academic perspective. That can't happen. And I knew this was you when I got to this poem. I knew that somebody enabled you, empowered you to be you. What is the message we can share today for people listening to this podcast? I'm talking to all of you right now. So I'm just going to look at you and I'm going to talk to you right now because you know what I'm saying to you. We're all doing it. We're all having that place where we're desiring this and we're settling for this, right? We all have that place where our heart is becoming so crusted over. But you know what I like about crust? You can knock it off. You could just, just get rid of it. You can have your truth. And this is what Julia's doing in this book. Let's talk about what we want to say to the people that have given up on their pleasure, their fulfillment, as you talk about later in the book, their dreams and their desires. Because your book is that invitation, I think. I want people to know that however much they are hurting or feeling lost or even desperate, that there is always hope. There is always somebody who can, who can, you can connect with. And your body is your best friend, actually. And you can choose pleasure over and over and over again. It is a choice. It's a gentle choice of kindness to oneself and kindness to others to make a plate of food that is beautiful and delicious and to take the time to prepare it or to set the table or to set your work desk or to dress the way that feels just lovely for you it's kind of a really soft subtle yeah. gentle melting kind of pleasure that we're talking about here and it also comes through just plain being kind to yourself yes you're frustrated or yes you're angry or yes you're happy or yes you're um, sad or yes you're grieving and within each of those uh, feelings is a multitude, is a dimension, is a universe of a cascade or waterfall 
of sensations and experiences of deliciousness it's like it is right here if you can dare to stay with yourself you will find that there is this rich right pleasurableness just underneath that fast frantic uh, rushing about trying to please others surface if you kind of just pull back a little bit pull into yourself stay with yourself you will find that things will split open like a ripe peach or a ripe fig or a pomegranate or a finger in a pot of honey and there will be the delight simple mm. not for always you know it'll up and down and change and flow but there'll be enough again and again that will sustain and nourish you and in these intense and uncertain times we all need as much resource and ballast and support and deliciousness to help us through the difficulty i'm going to ask jacob to pull that clip out we're going to distribute that clip because what you just shared look one of the things that I think you and I have learned over a bit of a time in life experiences is that if we could experience what experience just what you said, we build up a bank account. And it's a bank account that helps us heal something that wouldn't allow us there, that allows us now to stand on those shoulders and continue. I was thrilled later on in the book, and this is this is what you just said led me to. I am thrilled that you you have a chapter and you didn't change the name of the chapter because many people do. So when you talk about the medicine of empowering, you didn't call it empowering, you called it power, it is a very difficult word for women. And I will generalize this because the issues, the studies all point to it. But we're more comfortable talking about empowering than power. We are so willing to give up the power that we have within, our instinctual, our psychic abilities. But here you are. And you say, we often think about external power and currency and all, and we think about those things. It's short-lived. And you go on to say, we become exhausted. <laughs> Oh my God, we become exhausted, dissatisfied, hungry for more and more. I studied integrity and I wish I would have had this quote in my study. This is what you say, but the accompanying loss of our personal integrity is a loss of our true personal power. That is a powerful statement. And then you go on to talk about for the rest of the book, as we move into aliveness. Tell me about this chapter on power. I noticed the publisher didn't cut it. <laughs> and I could tell from the words that you're using in here, and you say time to grow up. Okay. This had to be included in your book, didn't it? You know, when there was the editing process, the editor <laughs> did so little. And I, you know, was like, it's what I've written okay. And they were like, they were given the guidance to do the minimal possible. I was like, come on, edit me, edit me. They allowed a lot in. Yeah. So um, 
the notion of power the way we normally think about power is a masculinized way of power right it's physical power and it's power often over as opposed to what you know the more feminine way of power is to do with the body and it's to do with inclusion and it's to do with relationship and it's to do with uh, creating beauty and it's to do with sensing and creating order in the home and these things are not mere trifles they're not mere decoration and mere silly feminine fripperies there is a tremendous power in holding the home in bringing up children in um being true and honest that's for of course for all genders so we are us humans are incredibly powerful uh, way more powerful than we are encouraged to believe mm-hmm. by the way that we are most of us brought up and that power is a good power it's not a bad power as parents or teachers might fear the power of children it's a positive power everybody inside of them really wants to make a positive difference in the world everybody inside of them has got a nugget that they know that they've got something special that they've got to offer the world in this way or that way everybody knows has got their own dreams and hopes and I believe in humans and there is tremendous powerfulness in all of us yeah And together, if we were to really live that, I think we'd create something Mm. very beautiful. And I think you had to talk about it before potency. I think you had to talk about it before this notion of aliveness, because one of the things that so often we think is not powerful is what you talk about vulnerability is strength. Vulnerability is strength. I mean, that took me a lot of years to figure that out, but also you know, freedom and choice and self-love. And it and it then gets us to the place now. Matt James said to me a lot of years ago when I first started doing this, and I really was doubting myself, but I was talking to him about it. And he said, which is one of his famous quotes, you know, Pat, whatever you think you are, you're more than that. I never forgot that quote, and I live that every day, whatever you think you are, because what he's reminding me of is the mind's ability to harness a limitation that the heart and imagination knows nothing of. And when I read your chapter on aliveness, and I read your chapter on potency, and especially, thank you for the Einstein quote, Imagination will take you everywhere. And so often we grow up being told not to imagine. Isn't this the time now for us to literally rev up, create the deliciousness of imagination and not bust out of the box, but live as if there were no box? Is that what you're asking us here? I think that the healing journey is both not simple and incredibly simple at the same time. <laughs> and it, it, yeah, I mean, um, 
I don't know, I just feel so hopeful, so hopeful in this moment. It's like, again, it's like a subtle sidestep from all the ideas that the outside mm. world gives us. I remember this story that I used to love when I was um, younger. May I share? It's from a Please. book that I read. It's from a science fiction story. And it was of this being that was absolutely free and could travel anywhere in the universe. And then it arrived on this planet. It arrived in this playground. And one of the children saw this alien and went you're so-and-so and the so-and-so was trapped the free alien was trapped as so-and-so the children had been playing hide and seek and um that being was trapped forever in the way that the others saw him mm. so the task is to free ourselves not to believe the stories the labels the judgments the criticisms that other people have towards us and then we take on and we uh with the slings and arrows we point that stuff at ourselves and so it's a journey to liberate ourselves from all that stuff because mm because we are free and we are wise and we are powerful mm. and we are delicious well this is what you say about entering the universe of deliciousness i love this i love when you say number one imagination is the muscle of the soul <laughs> oh boy so it is right and you know i i moved to seattle and i started to sketch just started to sketch just picked up a pad and just and and then I stopped it was a period of time in my life and about a week ago I came across the first sketch I did and I looked at it and I said gosh I don't remember doing that and I looked at its symmetry I looked at its symbolism really quite detailed and I'm not a detailed person and I started to look at it so carefully. And yet, my imagination then got lost in it when I stopped thinking about it. And I remembered the feeling of it. Yeah. So what I love is deliciousness. All you have to do is hear that word to be able to pinpoint an imagined place of that or a feeling, or a thing. But your invitation is for us to live this life in the universe of deliciousness. And I, th it, I think the first step is we've got to be able to imagine that that's ours, right? Right. There is hope. There's loads of hope. The potential is huge and it's not very far away and for each person the way in is completely different for some people it's music and for others it's art and for some it's writing and for others it's healing animals for some it's gardening you know it kind of doesn't matter what your thing is it's follow your thing find your thing and follow your thing can be sport can be absolutely anything whatever it is that lights you up do a bit more of it mm. it's kind of kind of so simple and yes hope mm. hope and imagination somehow go together um mm. i love the way you ended the book 
And I just want to say to everybody out there, uh, first of all, uh, the healing power of pleasure, seven medicines for rediscovering the innate joy of being. And I want to say this, every chapter, you're going to learn something. Everything is spelled out beautifully in each of these medicines, everything, including the one I'm talking about, potency, as well as imagination. There are exercises, there are poems. You will actually take this journey where you see that part of this is maybe the maturity as integration, but this is the universe of deliciousness. And you say universe of deliciousness is God. And I love the way you really brought that in. And then you introduce us into one of the most powerful, powerful energies, I think, on the planet. And I'd love for you to talk about it. When you say, and so our story continues, there it was, gratitude. It's such an important energy, isn't it? Gratitude, Julia, for you. I'm thinking of all the people who were once children and all the children had a spark of hope in them and a knowing of the future and the world and what it could be. And I think every single person gets crushed in one way or another. All our stories are different but everybody gets hurt along the way. And there's hope for everybody. And there are many ways to reclaim that power and deliciousness. Imagination, gratitude. There's many uh, technologies. There's many, many ways to get there. And ultimately, it's realising that life is not against us. We're not in a competition with other people. We're not in a competition with our siblings or our colleagues or our neighbours. We're not in competition with life. Actually, life really wants the best for us. And when we can get out of our own silly ways, when we can find our way through to that subtle, neutral deliciousness, when we can come back again and again and again, to ourselves and to our own experiences, to our own vulnerability and to our own pleasure, then we see and we find that life is all the time bringing us experiences that we can really learn from and is bringing us good stuff for us to find. But we have to do our part. We have to play our part. We can't sit there with our feet up and 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 zone out and be lazy and expect um life to play the game with us to love life through us right life loving life it's mm, and it's not hard work either it is just kind of engaging in the playfulness of being here now and being active and in our lives and in our bodies and life is good there is goodness for all of us you asked some very important questions um which i i first of all i love the questions second uh, i love what you're sharing with us and what we can do and I want to make sure that everybody knows how to get a copy of the book. It's pretty much available everywhere, correct? Right? 
um, and then they will be able to find out more about you. Uh, they can go to your website, universeofdeliciousness.com. They could find out about you. They can get copies of the book. But you, you take us on this journey and you bring us to this place where you ask us these questions. You know, can we unite the oppositions within us and outside of us? Can we love what is even when what is is not easy? Can we regard change as creative? Can we find the deliciousness within the disaster? Can we nourish ourselves from within? Can we trust life? Can we coexist and co-create with life as a part of life? And then this is what you say. The universe is without limitation in its creativity. May we live our wisdom and pleasure in sensual, soulful, sensitive exchange with others, with depth and with earth. May deliciousness flow through us, loving deliciousness in everything and everyone else. May we co-create heaven on earth, even if that doesn't look anything like what we thought it would. A new Eden, beginning everything again, all over again. May we be surprised, humbled, and delighted. And I want to thank you for that. Thank you for reading it. What would you like to leave us with? What's your personal message for today? That it's okay to have a rest. That it's okay to be imperfect. That it's okay to get things wrong and make mistakes over and over again. It's okay to be vulnerable. Mm. It's okay to want more, a lot more from your life. It's okay to want to contribute a lot into the world. It's okay. It's okay to really enjoy yourself. Mm. You are, we all are worthy and worthwhile. It's really, really okay to enjoy your life, to enjoy your body with kindness and respect to yourself and to others. I kind of want to say it even again, it's really, 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 really okay to enjoy your life. And it doesn't need to look dramatic or glamorous, or big, or like anybody else. It's your life. Well, I'll tell you what you've given me to do on this day. And, <laughs> and that it's is our planet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I live in the Pacific Northwest. And now I have a new thing that I will be doing. As I get in and out of my car, in a place where it rains a lot, I am going to splash in the puddle. I'm going to have that moment that you described of slashing, splashing in the puddle. And you know what? It's also okay to do the opposite, which is to feel stressed and to feel hurried and to feel frustrated 
and within that is the enjoyment of the stress <laughs> and the frustration. So it doesn't really matter which way you travel. Exactly. There is always pleasure available.